Transmission incoming, over. Copy that, transmission received. Welcome back to Christian Paranormal. My guest today is Yvonne Rempel, and she is in snowy Canada talking to <laughs> us today about her experiences. She has a podcast of her own, which I will allow her to talk about in her own words, but we're joined today because she reached out to me to be a potential guest from the Christian Podcast Association on Facebook, which is a really cool group. If if you're into those kinds of things, you can find a lot of really neat podcasts and podcast guests and, and get advice, and it's a really supportive network which I really appreciate. You know, if you're trying to start one or if you're trying to grow one, there's a ton of really good people in there and they're all, they're all Christians. They're all in the, in the same boat and they're willing to help. So check that out. Uh, shout out to the Christian Podcast Association. But yeah, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So yeah, you have kind of an interesting journey and I think we have a lot of parallels. You mentioned that when you were a kid, you had a lot of experiences and you know a thing or two about being an empath, which is a very interesting topic to me that I've, I've looked into because I think I have some of the same tendencies and I know that my mother is an absolute empath. And there's a lot of questions about that kind of a, a thing, but I really kind of want to just hear your journey in your own words, you know, from growing up to, to how you started your podcast now as an adult? Yeah, for sure. So my podcast is called On the Road to Damascus. Um, the reason we called it that is because uh, there's a story in the Bible where it talks about Saul on the road to Damascus, where he was persecuting Christians, and then he heard the voice of God. He was called, commissioned, and sent. And it really resonates with me because I think that we try to get everybody to walk the same path. So my experience has to be your experience. You have to be on this path. And I think we get that backwards in the world today because I think everyone walks a different journey. Everybody looks different to everyone else. The example I use is when I drive a car here in Canada versus driving a car in the UK, you're on a different side of the road. You're on a different side of the car, um, but you're still driving. So we're still doing the same thing. We're just doing it differently. And so learning to appreciate everyone's journey and where they're at and learning their story, um, because I think that's so important. We forget that there's a story and an experience that shaped them to who they are. So yeah, that's been a great pastime of mine. So I started that journey really young, really young. I had a crazy experience when I was five years old. Um, where I saw a coloring page um, at a Sunday school, the only time I ever went to church. I can remember being there at five years old and knowing that the coloring page of Jesus, that he loved me. Like I knew that person, that coloring page. Never set foot in a church, never knew what a church was, never was, and never set foot in another one till like 15 years later. So it's crazy that happens, but I've had many encounters and experiences my entire life growing up. And it wasn't until five or six years ago that when I got language to put to that experience, I knew then what was happening and I could go back and I could almost edit the way that I saw my life and then take it to what I can help people with today. That's very interesting. You had a religious experience, kind of a revelation of sorts, you know, in Jesus' it 
kind of showed himself to you via that page. Yeah. Um, but you said that was the only time you've been to church and you didn't go back for 15 years. So in between five years old and 20 years old, you know, what was that like? You know, were you raised in a Christian family? Was that just like a one-time thing because you guys weren't Christians, non-practicing? Like, what is your, what is your religion there? Like, what brought you to church? And I guess, why didn't, why didn't you stay uh, after you had that experience with Jesus? Well, I didn't stay because my parents didn't keep me there. So I was five. I had to go where they went. Um, but they only went to church, I think, as a, a last-ditch effort um, I guess, to try to do something to change the way their marriage was working. And so uh, it didn't work for them. And so they never went back. And so I never went back until way later in life till I actually had my own child. Um, but in between then, I didn't know what being a Christian was. I didn't know what going to church was. And I started developing this mentality that everything I did was so bad that I was going to burn if I walked into a church. And I've talked to people, you know, we have this, people go like, oh, I can never go into church, Yvonne, because I'm just going to burn up. I remember saying things like that, like, I'm so bad, I can never walk in there. And, you know, I look back and I go, okay, so yeah, maybe I did a few things I didn't want to do. But what really set it apart for me was that I was having supernatural, phenomenal experience, like crazy experiences where you know, like lights would flicker, or I'm pretty sure there was people in my house, uh, or there was, you know, my video game system would turn off my TV and all the lights would be off after going to the bathroom. Um, And it'd be all off uh, when I got back, which would freak me out. And I hated the basement. I know everyone hates the basement, but I hated the basement. I hated going down there. And I started really pushing into you know, psychics and mediums and Ouija boards. And, you know, of course that was very encouraged by my mother. So I wanted to please her at a young age. So I did those kinds of things. And it it was the fear that kept me from walking into a church for so many years because I was afraid I did something that I shouldn't have been doing. Yeah, I can, I can identify with everything you said. My parents were, one of them was an atheist and one of them was a mystical uh, fair weather Christian, kind of an all la carte Christian. And okay. she is a borderline psychic herself. Okay. And to her credit, she knows things, right? And it's uncanny. And yeah. it's, I know she has questions, right? Because the things she experiences are very real. And I've experienced some of the same things myself. And, you know, that's one of my reasons for starting this podcast is to talk to anybody and everybody I can to kind of understand, okay, what's happening? What does the Bible say about it? What does the Bible not say about it? How then should we interact with this thing? Because it's a real thing. You know, some of it is, I think, spiritual gifts that people have given to us by God, right? Probably for the purposes of glorifying him and doing good with them, right? Some of them are straight up demonic activities and how do you differentiate between the two where is that line and how can one be certain (laughs) and it's extremely difficult and i know that christians struggle with these kinds of questions because i know i i do right if i do and i'm unoriginal so (laughs) you know if i struggle with it i know other people do too and i want to provide outlets right of good-hearted well-intentioned people who are christians who can talk about these things openly, honestly, and we can maybe get a little bit more clarity. So I appreciate you being so candid with us. 
Well, thank you. Yeah, I struggled with it at the beginning. I thought it was something. The first thing uh, for me was I could tell the moment something fell off in a room or I could tell if I was home and something wasn't right. I would have an experience where somebody would be banging at my door and I'd be home at night by myself with my children. Somebody would be banging on the door, but the light wouldn't go off, right? The sensor light wouldn't go off. And I'd be standing there and I would pray and throw my Bible on the bed and it would open up to the very chapter that said, put on the armor of God. And I'm going, that's not going to help me because there's someone banging on my door. And then all of a sudden I'd be like, okay, I'm going to trust you, God, that, that it's going to be okay. The banging stops. The light does not turn on. But when I walk to the door, the light turns on. I have experienced many times that has happened to me. And then this is, this is what I said all the time. That is my cross to bear. I guess my job is to tell people where there is evil in the world. And it wasn't until I realized that that actually isn't my job. I wasn't supposed to find the evil. I was supposed to find the good. When I realized that finding the good means having, hearing God, having prophetic words, getting visions, having dreams, it actually looks exactly what a psychic, a medium, tarot card readers, it looks exactly the same, but it has its own godly language to it the only difference was one felt evil and one felt good so i learned how to um, tell the difference between what was good and what was bad yeah that's awesome that you're so so in tuned to it because so many people struggle with you know coming at some of the same things you've talked about right Mm -hmm. weird things happening in their house weird feelings Mm -hmm maybe sightings, maybe dreams, and they don't have the language to put it because the Bible talks so much about these kind of things, yeah. you know, and, and they don't put two and two together that what they're experiencing is one real two, they're not alone in what they're experiencing. And three, there's something you can do about it when you're experiencing these things. Uh, and, and it's so telling to me that, you know, your first instinct was to go to the Bible put on the armor of God, you know, well, that's not really going to work. But then lo and behold, guess what? Yeah. You know, it, it worked. And so it, A plus B equals C, right? Yeah. You know, and yeah. to me, it's obvious, but that's also because I have a similar path. Uh, but for other people, you know, it's, it's almost like they take a third direction, yeah. right? And it's, it's not religious at all. It's not good. It's not evil. It's just something else. And they attribute it to kind of a a spiritual realm in a sense, right? Yeah. It's just a ghost. It's just a, a poltergeist. You know, my house is haunted, uh, whatever, whatever, whatever. And it's, it's hard for them to make the connection between all of those things and then what they know or don't know about the Bible. Yeah. And, you know, I honestly, I think we do a disservice to the world by not talking about it as Christians we have so many people who are looking for the psychics and the mediums. I mean, you have a lot of people who reach the holistic and they're, you know, talking about these things are very open conversations that people are having, but the only thing they can find on it is that third option that you said, because we don't bring an option to the table. 
we don't bring another option for them to go, hey, maybe that's God talking to you. Hey, maybe you don't have to watch for all the ugly in the world. Maybe there's some good that we can find here. And I think that we do kind of a disservice when we don't provide language to what's happening to them. No, I agree. Absolutely. You know, these topics that I cover on this podcast are all taboo. Uh, you know, if my pastors found out I was doing this, they'd probably look at me really funny and rightfully so, right? Yeah. Because inherently there's a, a feeling that even having these conversations at all is somehow taboo or anti-Christian or unbiblical. Yeah, yeah. That needs to change because the Bible has a lot to say about these things. It does. And it's, it's not even that hard. I mean, you can open up almost any one of the chapters and it'll talk about people having visions or hearing God or going into a trance. And, and then we don't talk about it in the everyday or in church. And, you know, then somebody has an experience and they're like, oh, I don't know what's happening to me. And then, you know, you talk to somebody like you or, or me and we go, God's trying to speak to you. And they're like, really? Does he speak that way? <laughs> yeah, sometimes. You know, sometimes he does. And his ways are ultimately a mystery, right? We'll never know because yeah. we'll never be on par with God, right? So uh, we can understand a few things. Sometimes he allows those things to happen to get our attention. And, you know, we have to to understand that. And for me, that's exactly what happened. I was experiencing a lot of the same things you experience, a lot of darkness and yeah. a lot of uh, shadows dancing out of your peripheral, mm -hmm. dishes rattling, noises, footsteps, the lights, the feelings, the temperature changes, mm -hmm. right? But I was, a, I was a young lost soul and yeah. I didn't have a Christian upbringing. I didn't have Christians in my life, any Christians in my life. Yeah. So I went to the only place you could go, which was the, the culture at large, right? Yep. Which says ghosts and ghost hunters and Ouija boards and seances and, and all those yep. things that it offers. But all those things I found made everything worse, not better. Yeah, it did make it worse. I had the same thing happen. You know, you find there was a booming culture that started developing in the nineties, you know, ghost hunters and, you know, you can, you can see it. It's take really taken off now um, where it was something people were curious about. Now people are just trying to find, like now they're really searching for it. And a lot of people are really searching for it. Um, and so we take our experiences and we go to the place, just like if I had a TV that was broken, I would take it to one place. It'd be a place I could fix my TV. Um, and we haven't made it a place, you know, where you can bring an experience like that and we can go, hey, this is what it means. Let's discern it. Let's talk about it. Let's see who's talking to you. Because as you said, it's not always God. It's always something, but it's not always God. But we don't, we're so scared to interact with it that we go, oh, you know what? It's okay. Just pray and it'll be fine. And it's like, okay, but at some point, you know, when do we wade into the conversation that's happening in the world? Yeah. And removing ourselves from it does no good for anybody because we need to be the alternative. We need to be there to answer the questions that people have because ultimately, you know, the secular world, they provide answers, but they're not sustaining answers. They're not the good answers and the right answers. And they're just going to give you more psychic mediums, more ghost hunting, which is just going to result in more paranormal activity, if you will, <laughs> you know, and, and for a lot of these people, 
they want it to stop. They don't yeah. want it to increase. Now, there are some who really relish in that whole sphere of, yeah. uh, of activities. And I've met a few of those people. And those people are to be avoided in my experience because they are the, the kind of that 10%, I think, that that really enjoy – I'm not going to call them evil because I don't know if that's fair, but – well, I don't know of another word to really put it, you know, people who know that there is a difference between good and evil, and then they choose to not follow the good, right? And those are the people that kind of concern me. And that was one of the reasons I kind of started this podcast, actually, is through my other podcast I was doing, which was similar, but through a secular lens, I was encountering more and more of those type of people. And it became obvious to me in my soul that, you know, the conversations I was having were ungenuine and they were with people who did not share my worldview on anything. They, it's not because they didn't know. They fully knew. They fully understood. They just chose the other, right? They chose the darkness. And I was like, okay, we can't be friends, right? Because I can't have that in my life. And yeah, it was, a, it was one of those things that God was like, hey, man, you got to stop doing this. Like, there's a right way and a wrong way to have these kind of conversations and you're doing it the wrong way. And I just felt compelled and people called me crazy because, you know, that was a successful podcast by all rights. And, you know, I, I walked away from it and I started something completely different and people hated it. They hated it. That the fact that I was going to start a Christian paranormal podcast to talk about those kind of things from a Christian lens, I got hate mail, but that just proved to me that I was doing the right thing. Yeah. Just because it's successful doesn't mean it's what you're supposed to be doing, which is, you know, it just means that, you know, we do what we try to do and we do it when we hear God and it's not going to be successful and it sometimes will be and we just don't know. Um, but yeah, I think, it, I think this podcast is great. Like when I read your content on the Christian uh, Podcast Association, I read this, I'm like, finally somebody who's talking about this because there's so many stories out there. There's so many stories. Uh, but as you said, there's so many people looking for an answer as in they don't want this to happen anymore. And one of the things that I have heard over and over again and many times is that there's a difference. When you go to a psychic, you don't feel the peace that you feel that when you talk to somebody who is bringing you know, kingdom revelation to what is happening to you. There comes, there comes a peace that settles on you going, oh, it's like it's one of those eureka moments. Aha, now I know what's happening. Now I know how to. So each time we have an, somebody has an encounter and we help them, there should be, you know, a, a discerning of what it is and a way to solve it because that's what we do in the kingdom. Yeah, absolutely. And you need to know what you're dealing with. You know, the devil parades around masqueraded as an angel of light, right? So yeah. the Bible says, and there is enough in the Bible to say that there is a spiritual war happening and deception mm -hmm. is the number one tool. And so when I look at things like psychic mediums, I look at people who might be good intentioned people given a spiritual gift, right? That are maybe using it in a wrong way because they're not necessarily glorifying God with their, with their gifts. 
I, I see people who might actually be, uh, I won't say possessed, right? Because there's enough <laughs> scripture language <laughs> to kind of talk about that. And, it, and it's hard to know the difference between the two. And I think that's one of the reasons the Bible tells us to just kind of look at those kind of things with caution, because I think God knows that it's hard for us to use our own understanding and kind of weed through those kind of things. So it almost seems like the the culture at large, you know, is kind of predatory in a way with their psychic mediums and their in their seances and, and all those other things. Obviously you pay a lot of money to go to these things and yeah. you know, and you you talk with your your passed on relatives and things like that. If it provided closure, it wouldn't be such a good business because ultimately those people end up going back, you know, a second, a third, a fifth time because they they get a little taste of something and then they keep coming back and it, and it's almost like they're just being i don't know let on if that's fair to say but you know it's definitely a money making thing to some extent yeah i think what they do is they give you um the desires of your heart now if anybody's heard that you actually hear that phrase in the bible where god says i'll give you the desires of your heart except if you've read any portions of the Bible, you don't have to read a lot of it. What he gives you isn't what you think you need. So with that being said, you know, you go to somebody who's a psychic and they're going to tell you when you're going to get married because you're lonely, or I'm going to tell you when you're going to have your white picket fence, or I'm going to tell you when you're going to have that career, because those are the worldly desires that we desire. And when Jesus came, he didn't give worldly desires. He actually gave you the needs that you didn't even know that you needed. And so the difference there is that when we look at it from a cultural world, cultural perspective, I'm going to give you the desires of your heart. But when you look at it from a kingdom, and I don't often say Christian perspective, um, you're going to get something, but it'll be nothing that you think that you need, but it will be exactly what he's trying to say to you in that moment. And that'll change everything. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the the top 10 subjects for going to psychic mediums is usually like dead relatives, money, uh, wealth, happiness, uh, maybe some kind of a healing of sorts, you know, and all those kinds of things. And if you're asking for that, there's going to be a market to deliver that for Mm -hmm. sure. So how does one, with that in mind, be careful in seek out the the true Christians who who have the spiritual gifts like how does how would one know I guess the difference between the the secular kind of the predatory psychic people and the 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 good-hearted Christian people who just want to help yeah that's a great question um usually when I tell people that they need to go look for somebody to help them you're going to look for the fruits of the spirit So everything in their life will have fruits of the spirits in it, right? They're not fearful. They're joyful. They're happy. They're patient. They're kind, right? They're not trying to push you to do something. They actually are inviting you into an experience with God. So it's a very different atmosphere at the very beginning of it, right? Where you come in and you're like, I want you to tell me when I'm going to get married, you know, as opposed of, you know, you coming and inviting, being invited into something very intimate. I think that's the difference right there. I mean, there's going to be, there is going to be people who try to monetize or try to find a platform to further their uh, career being a Christian paranormal person. 
it happens that people there there's human people who just fall into that trap sometimes and but you you I think you'll know the difference um, because anybody who's had an experience with the paranormal anybody who's had that kind can feel the difference between the dark and the light and uh that's why, you know, learning to be an empath or, or being more empathetic to the world, you start learning to feel the difference between the light and the dark. Yeah, that's an interesting topic too, you know, the empaths. And there's a lot of information out there, but I think it's safe to say that people who are an empath have just a heightened awareness of things in general, right? Especially feelings. So people can walk into a room and they can kind of pick out like kind of the vibe of a room very easily. And then they can sit down with somebody and then uh, understand whether or not that person is perhaps in trouble, either maybe like physically or maybe like spiritually or or emotionally, because you kind of just feel it a little bit. And some people can feel it like a lot. And it's kind of interesting to see the the spread of the the empathic gift. Yeah, I have watched a lot of people tell me, you know, they're they're an empath, and you know whether they are or not, I can't, I don't know because I'm not their feelings. So I, you know, I would never say you're not because I I don't know. I'm not, you know, I'm not you. But what I do know as somebody who is an empath, and what we call it is being a feeler. Um, so as a feeler, what we do is you are not emotional. Somebody who's an empath is not emotional, right? Because we're not emotional people. If you're emotional, you probably need a snack and a nap. Like you're probably not an empath. Um, An empath though is aware of their emotions and they don't react to their emotions. And that's really what I say is the difference of being an empath. You'll find the people who are aware of their surroundings and aware of other people will be the most calm people in the room And then they'll be like, but you're an empath and you can feel everything. Yeah, but that doesn't mean I react to everything that is happening to me. It's sitting in the awareness and learning to train yourself to sit in the awareness. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it can be difficult because if you are an empath and you are sensing things, you know, there may be an urge to to do something about it. And it can be a little overwhelming at times, I think. And a little, maybe a little alarming and a little scary, but I think what you said is maturity, right? Knowing that uh, you don't have to react to everything. You can sense a lot of things and feel a lot of things, but not everything is worthy of attention. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Uh, Somebody who, uh, you know, one of the greatest gifts I think that God has given a lot of people is being an empath. And the reason for that is we have an opportunity to intercede for other people. Meaning if I walk in a room and I know that you're really angry, I don't have to go up to you and be like, I just feel like you're really angry. Let me pray for you. I can do that very quietly. And actually it's so powerful when you partner with the spirit of God in the spiritual realm realm on someone else's behalf, that they're when you were helping them win a battle internally that they don't even know that we're praying about at that moment. And when you start learning about the spiritual realm and you start learning that you can position yourself to um, pray in that realm, you know, call on angels in that realm, all of a sudden the authority that Jesus says that we have becomes so real and allows us to walk in it. Yeah. 
the other cool thing about that is, you know, if you pick up on somebody having a hard time, you don't have to make it like a formal thing. Like, let me, oh, let me stage an intervention for you right now, right? You can just, you know, they're having a hard time and it can be like an unspoken thing. And yeah. you know, maybe they just need something, right? And you can just go give them that thing, right? And you don't have to like explain to them, I'm giving you this thing because I sensed this, right? Yeah. <laughs> you, just, you just go do the thing, you know, and it's kind of like an act of service to people. And, you know, it, it's a way of really subtly helping people. But, you know, kind of the back to the previous conversation, you know, it's not, oh, look at me and my, and my gifts. It's like, you know, you're, you're serving somebody because you know that they need something. But you're, it's like the parallel, parable of the guy giving the coins, right? And he yeah. gave more coins than the woman, but the woman did it quietly and it was her last coin where the guy made a big show out of it, right? It's, it's the same as that parable. Oh, yeah, 100%. And Jesus was a great example, right? I mean, he had all the gifts, right? I mean, we may have only a few of them. He had all of them, and he never made a big show of what he did. And, you know, it was always miraculous. It was always amazing. Um, But it was never, look at me. I am, you know, I'm the son of God, and look at what I'm doing, you know. And so we need to do that because we need the recognition uh, from other people to make us feel good that we do carry the gifts that we think we have. Yeah. So when you talked about, you know, the weird stuff happening in your house, you know, that was a common thing. And then, you know, you opened up the Bible and that helped. Was that kind of like an aha moment for you that like, okay, now I know, you know, what, what's going on. I know the game. So since that day, have you really had many of those other darker experiences or is that stuff kind of faded away now that you're essentially walking with Christ? Uh, actually, it hasn't faded away. I've learned to, um, in other words, you know, kick it out of my house. So since that moment of opening the Bible and throwing on there, I honestly, for many years, went that was a coincidence like it was probably just because I was reading that chapter and I was already used to being open kind of, you know, it wasn't until uh, quite a few years later where I put language to what I was, to what it was happening to me. And I started using words like hearing God, being prophetic, prophetic dreams, you know, calling in things that are happening. It wasn't until I started learning that and really diving into it that I started realizing, oh, I actually can have authority to kick out the darkness, but it's there if I pay attention to it. So it's, it's being kind of like an empath going into a big room and knowing everyone is having emotions, but it's not focusing on their emotions. It's focusing on yourself. So from basically from that moment, I felt traumatized for many years. I couldn't, there was times I couldn't even sleep because I was constantly awake praying. And then I realized when I walked in my authority I could push it out of my house, not have to deal with it anymore. I could stand firm in that, but I know it's always there waiting to come in if I would allow it. So I have a crazy story. If you're okay, I share that. Please do. So I had, uh, we lost our house in a fire quite a few uh, years ago and uh, we built this brand new house a couple of years and it, it's, it's beautiful and I love it. And one of the things I did every day was pray over it all the time because I wanted to make sure that it felt really good when people came in. Like there was just something that they were like, this is home, it's beautiful. 
and I had my first welcome everybody party to it. And I was, you know, we cleaned up, went to bed and about two o'clock in the morning, I got up and I always had, you know, things always happened to me at night, just like it happens to everybody else. It's always at night. Um, but I used to have these dreams where I was being tormented in my dreams. And that night I woke up and I felt really great. My house felt really great. And I was getting some water and I could hear somebody. It was like something in my head that goes, that t- spoke to me. And I knew instantly, I recognized the voice from being tormented before. I recognized that it wanted me to be fearful. And I recognized it wanted permission to be in my home that I said it couldn't be in. And I knew right away what it was. And I knew instantly to say, you're not welcome here and to move on. But that took many years of learning to do that um, because fear would overtake me. And I would just let it, you know, sweep me under. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of powerful things to what you just said. You know, I can identify with all of that. I've experienced all of that. And mm-hmm. there was times in, in my youth, you know, probably starting about uh, 15 or so until about 25, uh, when I became a Christian at 25 years old, the, the dark things would come and they would come frequently and they would come very heavy. And I didn't know what to do about it. But, you know, when I became a Christian, and then it still happened after I became a Christian, but with time, I, you know, I understood it. I was able to put words to it. You know, I understood what the Bible said about it. And then now I feel confident when I can say that, yes, you can kick those things out of your house and out of your life. But you're absolutely right. If you stumble, if you get weak, if you get lazy, they will come right back because they want to make sure that you're serious. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, especially the being lazy, right? It's the not making, not taking that time with God every day. It's the, you know, it's many different things that you train. You know, you go back to the armor of God to the very beginning story that I told. Well, when you put on armor, It's so that you can train on how to move in it, right? And that's what we're doing. We're training on how to move in it. So it basically becomes a second skin to us. So when it's time for us to do battle, we're not walking around all clunky and, you know, going like this is awkward and you can't move anything. It's a second skin to us, but we have to go through that training before we can get to battle, right? And that training comes in the form of, having devotions, learning to read your Bible. It's taking that time. It's doing this. It's doing that. It's training yourself. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And we also have to train ourselves to be disciplined in many other ways because we cannot do the same things we used to do before, right? We can't listen to the same music. We can't watch the same movies. Movies especially, I feel, are ultra powerful. If you want to get off track, (laughs) (laughs) Television will do it quicker than anything. You know, if you look at all of the scary movies nowadays, they're not just suspenseful. They're actually demonic, a lot of them. Oh, they scare, they scare me all the time. Like, I can't even watch the trailers when they come on. Like, I'm just terrified looking at them. Yeah. So you mentioned you have children. I, I do as well. Do you notice any of the empathetic traits in your children? Uh, Yes, actually, my youngest one is uh, very empathetic like me. So my 
um, my oldest is a dreamer. He actually has dreams and massive deja vu all the time. So we're teaching him, you know, how to operate in that gifting. Um, my daughter uh, creates beautiful, beautiful things that she gets when she sits with God, which is so beautiful. And I love watching her, but my youngest is an empath like me. So that's my hands-on teaching right there. Yeah. What I've noticed is that, you know, my, my oldest, uh, my daughter, she will often have nightmares on the same nights that I have nightmares. And that's really interesting to me because, you know, that just tells me that somebody's passing by, right. And they're knocking on doors, essentially, you know, spiritually, you know, and and she's very young. She doesn't understand things. Right. And it's, it's difficult to try to educate a five-year-old on, you know, how to approach these things because you don't want to overshare, right. And like scare the crap out of them. But at the same time, you kind of have to start telling them a little bit about these kinds of things uh, and Mm -hmm. slowly preparing them because, I do believe that people who are highly empathetic, they are given kind of that gift of discernment that you've talked about. But I also know that that's such a powerful thing for good, that that's prime target number one for Satan, right? Because what he wants to do is he wants to use that as an open door. And unfortunately, that's kind of the default for people. Yeah, I agree with that. I often felt constantly attacked being an empath and my youngest does too. So not as much as my other kids, but yeah, my youngest one, especially because I think we do carry a certain discernment that can really walk through the spiritual a lot. So you go after the young ones who get afraid and then they only see darkness and never see the light. So they don't develop that discernment. Yep. Yeah. And that's where it's on us as parents. We really have to double down, you know, and, and, and keep the discipline, right? We have to read the Bible. We have to go to church. We have to talk about Jesus and God. We have to say our prayers and it forces us to be twice as disciplined as we could be if we didn't have children, you know, because for their sake, if we didn't, you know, I mean, I would hate for them to repeat, you know, the things that we went through when we were a kid where we didn't have the knowledge, Yeah. Well, and that's so smart too. I mean, I started a discipline of uh, praying around the house every night before I went to bed. So everyone would be asleep, including my husband. And I would get up and I would go and I would pray in every room of the entire house. And I did that for many, many years um, until my kids were old enough to learn how to start picking up that discipline on their own. It was my job to do it as the watchman of our family. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed that people with, you know, this, with this ability, I mean, obviously it relates to people, obviously it relates to the spiritual world, but they can also often have, you know, prophetic dreams. They can also kind of cut through the noise, right? So like for me, I think I have a little bit of ability to kind of cut through the noise on like the media and like the events of the world, right? I mean, they say this thing, they say that thing and kind of like, nope, this is what's really happening. You know, and yeah. just like, there it is, you know, and, uh, and I'm, I'm usually kind of right about that, but you know, have you noticed that it carries over into other areas? Yeah, 100%. My, so my kids are older. So I have a, what I call an adult with training wheels, cause he's 19. Um, and then two, uh, older teenagers. And when they were probably about five years ago, so they were like, you know, junior high and in high school, they always say this to me, mom, you, we cannot lie to you because you always know when we're telling a lie. 
Like they, you know, and so they would be like, mom's like a truth teller. Like she just knows when you're lying, um, which, you know, you don't try to, you try to give your kids the benefit of the doubt. Um, but it actually, it transfers all across my entire, entire life. You know, I could be doing something and I'll know instantly that's not right. That is wrong. You know, and I can start telling from many, many different things, like you said, watching it, people speaking to me, just walking around, something doesn't seem right here. Yeah, no, absolutely. And when you know, you know, and it's a powerful feeling, right? There's been a lot of situations where I've been in where I'm like, I'm not doing that. And it's not just me being like stubborn or, or whatever. It's just, I just know that thing is not the direction I need to go in. Yeah, I often get that. That's, I think it's a very powerful empath move. Um, I tell people, you know, the greatest thing we could be doing for the world as an empath is to have um, internal healing. Uh, we need to be self-aware of what we are because we can operate out of our own feelings. So if I don't want to do something, I need to know if it's, I don't want to do it because I'm being stubborn or I don't want to do it because God doesn't want me to do it. So we need to be very self-aware as people who are empath. Um, but once you become very self-aware, as you said, we, you can cut through the noise of the entire world very quickly. Yeah. It's also interesting that, you know, sometimes they have dreams and I have those from time to time. Like I had a wild one the other night and it was, it wasn't, it was absolutely biblically themed, but it wasn't, it was like subliminally biblically themed though. Like it, like the, overtly you know it was just all like normal everyday stuff but it was like undertones of like revelations and then i'm like okay this is this just a wild dream or is there something to this but then you know you kind of just have that compelling feeling like hey there's something to this yeah oh one yeah i think those are fantastic i think everyone has an opportunity to um, you know, have a bit of being an empath or, you know, they can dream, they can hear God, they can do all those things that we, you know, we don't generally talk about, which you are talking about on your podcast. We all have those one or two of those giftings that we can operate on. It's just learning to grow them because right now they're, some of them are baby gifts and, you know, and, and what we're talking about right now is, is years of growing something that we've been given. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, and it, and it helps to kind of keep it all in check because like we talked about a couple of times already, it, it's so easy to get off track. And mm-hmm. the only way that you can stay on track is you have to check the things you're, you're seeing, you're feeling, you're thinking, you're saying, and you're doing with what the Bible says. And then also talking to other Christians about it. So, you know, it was interesting. I had a new pastor come to town for our church. I went out to lunch with him, you know, and one of the very first things out of his mouth conversation wise was I was kind of just telling my story. He's like, yeah, you know, I, uh, I had an experience with a demon one time. I'm like, uh, that's pretty bold statement, but <laughs> like, that's how I knew I, I, I liked the guy. Right. Because he was totally real. And he was like, yeah. yeah, I was, I was in college and, you know, I was going to go in the seminary. Wasn't quite sure. Wasn't quite living my life. Right. Had this wild, super scary dream it was like uh, really vivid he's like then i knew i was gonna go in the cemetery seminary i was like oh cool you know but uh yeah it's it's things like that you have just uncanny conversations with people sometimes and you're just like all right this person's legit yeah well and because you know like it's 
it's something that we're just, everyone is just curious about. Everyone is just curious about the supernatural. Everyone is. Um, whether you're a Christian or not, we're just all curious about it. Um, and so it's nice that we can talk about, talk about this and not make it weird, right? Be not right. be like, you, you know, maybe you need to go pray for three days in the wilderness because there, you, you know, you might have a demon on you. It's like, no, I just had a really crazy experience and now it's done and it's okay. We moved on from that. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, my goal is to, to normalize conversations. And at some point I really want to bring on some, uh, some, some religious people, like some actual clergy, you know, uh, some Catholics, some Lutherans, some Eastern Orthodox, and kind of understand, you know, kind of what their perspective is, because although the religious denominations approach all of these things kind of differently, you know, you have your evangelicals, which are kind of one flavor, and then your Catholics who are notorious for their, uh, for their uh, rites of exorcism and things like that. And, you know, kind of understanding where the spectrum is on the the opinions yeah that's and i like that because you know just as we're all unique like each denomination is very unique in what they do and what they bring and you know i think it's important that we take that time and we learn it instead of going "Mm, that's too weird for me I don't think anything was weird for Jesus. Right. <laughs> he was doing the weird things and people still wanted to be around him all the time. Yeah, no, absolutely. There was that level of a uh, level of clarity he brought and he was just genuine, right? Nothing was really off topic for him. And I think that's why people were and are still attracted to him because, you know, no judgment, you know, there's, you can bring him your worries, you know, you don't have to hide it, your thoughts, he already knows them, right? So you can bring them to him freely. And he helps. Yeah, it's that it's authenticity, right? We were missing some authenticity um, in the world today. And, and if we get to bring that, and that's just by talking about things that sometimes we're afraid to talk about it. And, you know, giving actual, you know, kudos to people who have experiences because we can't, we don't know if it's real or not. And we don't, we can't judge somebody else's experience in, in what they're having. So you can't take that really, you can't take that away from them. Yeah. You know, the materialism of this world, I think is really slowly killing us. And it's, it's veiling the spirit world, I think. And I, I'm hearing that overwhelmingly from a lot of people and I'm believing it to be more and more and more true. You know, the, the world is blanketed in our riches and our material wealth at the cost of our spiritual wealth. And I think we're heading for some interesting times, but I do think that there's a net positive for that because I think it's going to force Christians to really get with it. And I think that there will be somewhat of a revival. Oh, yes. I love revival. Yeah, and definitely as an empath who feels um, great, great big ways, um, feels that in the earth, you know, as, as that there's a this awakening that's happening where people are going, hey, there's more than just what's happening in the world. There's little things happening in the spiritual world. And now people are becoming more and more curious. There is going to be a revival. And one of the things I want to be prepared for is, you know, when people come and they ask me, I have an answer for them. 
not that, you know, go back and I'll come back to you and, you know, in like three Sundays. No, I want to have an answer for you. I want you to be curious. And then I'm going to get you to be curious. And then I want you to go find the answer on your own because I don't want you to have my experience. I want you to have your own radical experience yourself. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's, that's how the spirit catches people, you know, weird things happen. They look for answers. And I think, uh, you know, if they're open to it, I think the spirit will grab them and lead them the direction that it needs them to go. And sometimes that's kind of a curvy, windy path, but ultimately it's going to lead in the right place, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I like how you said that, you know, weird things happen and then people are curious about it. That's a great way of just explaining it right there. Something weird happens to you. You have a weird dream. You have a weird experience. You have a weird encounter. And then you go searching for an answer. So we need to make sure we're just in the way to be someone who can point to that direction. No, absolutely. So where can people find your podcast? So um, my podcast is on um, iTunes. No. Yeah. iTunes. It is on Apple podcasts. It's on Spotify, on anchor on the road to Damascus podcast. Uh, so we talk about people's experiences and how that changed their world for them. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. If you are interested in it, I'd love to come on the show and I'd share my experiences sometime. Oh, definitely. I would love to have you on the show. I think that'll be important. I think I want to hear a variety of people from, you know, getting saved at 30 to getting saved at five to not even being saved. I just, I like the perspective of people because they bring something to the table and I love every moment of it. So yeah, Sounds like a lot of fun. Awesome. Okay. Well, I want to thank you for being a guest. It's been a really fun conversation. Thank you for having me. All right. You take care. Goodbye. Bye. Transmission incoming, over. Copy that, transmission received. You're listening to the Patriot Radio Network.